Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the 1115 service. Um, I want to especially say welcome to those of you you 9 a.m. people who for some reason today felt the spirit leading to come to the 11:15 service, it's okay, all right? We're just glad you're here either way. Uh, but it's gonna be an awesome, awesome uh, service. And so maybe, or you're joining us from one of our campuses here at Curry Ford, we would like to just say how much we love the family at Michigan Street Campus and at Red Bug Lake Campus, yes. <clears throat> So glad our campuses are, are linking in as well at this time. Maybe you're joining us from some other environment on the screen somewhere. We're glad that you're taking part. Just lean into what God has to say today. Um, you may want to take some notes today. Uh, we're going to look at some scripture and uh, it's going to be, man, God's going to, we're going we're gonna to give God a chance to do some really amazing things in our lives today. <clears throat> And um, we have been in this collection, this series, uh, just called What Kind of Church Is That? And of course, we've, we've been saying that we, we're gonna invite people to church all the time. And when we invite somebody, you, sh- you say to them, hey, you should come to my church. And they would ask, say maybe, well, what kind of church is that? And then you've got the answer loaded up because we've been talking about that for a few weeks. We got a couple more weeks of, of this series where we're still answering that question. <clears throat> but... Um, this is probably a couple of years ago. So before this series was ever even taking any kind of form, but my son, uh, he plays baseball. And so he, we got a baseball team here today. Welcome guys. Glad you're here. That's awesome. Uh, stretch your hands toward him. Let's just pray for home runs and no errors and quality pitching at, while they're in the tournament here. Amen. Uh, anyway, but my son is a senior in high school and he plays a lot of baseball. And so He's had a lot of different phone calls with uh, college coaches and stuff like that. And that's always like a moment of a little nervousness when you're talking to these guys, you're trying to answer all the questions the right way. And so it was about two, two years ago, he was on the phone to one of the schools. I don't remember which school it was. And I was right there. I can't remember if it was on speakerphone or if I was just kind of figuring out what the coaches was asking by his answers. But somehow it came up that he was a Christian or that he was involved in church. And I think maybe it even came up that maybe they asked what his parents did or something. And so it was, my dad's a pastor. And uh, so the guy, this coach asked the question, maybe this is where the series was launched. Who do you know? Who knows? Two years ago, but the guy asked the question, the coach asked the question, what kind of church is that? And uh, Ashton kind of froze up and like kind of started trying to figure out how to answer this. Not because he didn't know what kind of church we were, but this is the only church he's ever known. So he's just like, well, it's a church. Like there are other kinds of churches. Like, you know, that was partly where, probably where he was thinking. So this is what he says. He goes, um, yeah, we're like a Pentecostal church. And I was like, all right, I'll take that. All right, Ash, well, that'll work. Uh, that could be answered a lot of different ways. He could have said we're an Assembly of God church, which, are, which is our denomination. He could have said our, we are a charismatic church because that's kind of probably our style in some ways. Um, but he said, we're a Pentecostal church. And I kind of like that because 
We are, we're an empowered church. Today, the answer to the question, amen. Today, the answer to the question, what kind of church is that? We are an empowered church. We are a church that's filled with God's power, that God's power leads and guides and directs our life, and that makes a difference. That's what you were created for. Amen. You were created for God's power in your life. And so we're going to pray, ask God just to anoint this word. We're going to ask God to just fill this room one more time. Ask God to fill our lives. And uh, as we pray, I want you to pray something like this. I want you to pray something like this. God, if your word says it, I want it. Amen? Is that all right if we do that today? Yeah, let's do that. Father, in Jesus' name, we do. We just, we just link our faith together across all of our campuses, across every screen that this service is, is um, being observed right now and joined in with. Uh, God, we just collectively say, if your word says it, we want it. If you have it for us, we want everything you have for us. And so God, anoint this word today. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you do have a copy of God's word, why don't you get it out now? Go to Acts uh, chapter 19, Acts chapter 19 and John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're gonna start actually with John chapter 14, but then we'll go to Acts chapter 19. And in John chapter 14, I think that Jesus says one of the, well, to me, I think it is the most provocative thing that he ever said in John John chapter 14. I think it's the most intimidating thing that Jesus ever said. We'll get to it in just a moment. Uh, John chapter 14, and it is verse 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Pause right there, do not read ahead or I will throw something at you. Look up, come on. (laughs) Jesus just said, whoever believes in me, which we talked about believing, that we're a believing church last week. If you missed last week, go back and and catch that, that message. But Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. That right there is intimidating. I don't know if you, when's the last time you've been reading the Bible, you've been reading the Gospels, but I just got to tell you something. Jesus did some stuff, okay? Like Jesus, and Jesus just said, if you believe, you'll do the same things I, I was do, I've been doing. Like Jesus would go up into a funeral and just interrupt and just stop the funeral just to raise uh, the kid back to life. Jesus would see a blind person and just give them sight. Uh, Jesus would see people completely bound by demons and set them free. Uh, Jesus, people that, that couldn't walk and they, they now could walk. So Jesus did some stuff and this same Jesus says, oh, and by the way, if you believe, you'll do the same stuff I'm doing. Right there, if I had been in that moment, I'd been like, I don't know about that because I've been seeing you do stuff, Jesus. But it gets, it gets better. I almost said it gets worse. It gets uh, more challenging because he says, whoever believes in me will do what I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Now on that, on that, I just got to be like, Jesus, come on now. You're Jesus. You're like 100% God, 100% man. Like, come on. You, you mean to tell me I'm supposed to do greater things than you did? And Jesus would answer that question. And he would say, yes. And look at, look at what he gives as the reasoning why. Look at this. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. 
Now, you got to know that the disciples that were hearing this, the people that were hearing that in that moment, they were thinking when he said, you're going to do what I've been doing, they're going to be like, mm, okay, you're going to do even greater things. They're going to be thinking, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe I will try as long as you're right there coaching me all the way. As long as you're right there kind of, kind of coaching me up and speaking to me as to what I should do and whispering in my ear, now do this and I'll try it. So maybe I'll try it if you're right there with me. But Jesus said, you're going to do this not because I'm going to be with you, coaching you along the way. He says, you're going to be able to do this because I'm leaving. And to us, we go, that doesn't make any sense until we continue to read what he continues to say. He says, uh, you'll do these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And look, here it is. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. This is on the, uh, this is right on the back end of you're gonna do greater things than, than, than I have been doing. I'm gonna give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever and that is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit, you were always designed to house this this power of God, this, this challenge to do what Jesus did and even greater comes with it, the promise of the Holy Spirit being in you and being the one that's going to be the advocate, the support, the power source. Acts chapter one, verse eight, that's where Jesus said uh, that, that, that there will come a, a power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You were created for power. This wasn't like a, a reaction to anything. This wasn't, a, oh, the world got worse than I thought, so we got to figure some other level out. No, 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 you were created for this. And I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you. It seems to happen to me uh, somewhat on a regular basis. But you plug in your device, right, in the nighttime, maybe before you go to bed, maybe you charge your phone overnight, and maybe not the greatest thing for your phone, but you do. So you, you plug it in, and you think, and you lay it, the phone down, you're going down, I'm ready to go to bed. And you wake up the next morning and the phone is like at 13% or something. And you're like, what happened? I, I plugged it in. But what you did not realize is the other end down here had come away from the little, the little box. Has that ever happened to anybody? Is that just me? Right? And now you got to go through your whole day. And some of you are so dependent on your phone. This is the worst thing. This is as bad as it gets for you. Like this is, this is as bad as it gets. Because now your phone is in low power mode. Anybody know what low power mode is? Some of you, it's not that you forgot to plug it in. It's that you're on it so much, you get in low power mode by like 11 a.m. We're going to have a different altar call for you. All right, that's a whole different sermon. But when your phone slips into low power mode, here's the thing. It's still a phone. It's still a phone. It still will make a call or two. Uh, it's still going to accomplish some things. It is still a phone. Now, here's the thing. When it's in low power mode, it's not going to last as long as it would have lasted. When it's in low power mode, it's not going to shine as bright as it normally would shine. When it's in low power mode, there are some functions, there are some apps that will not even be running because it's in low power mode. Now, it is still a phone. Nobody can look at it and go, that's no longer a phone, but it's not operating the way it was Mm, the way it was created. I don't know why I'm preaching. I'm just talking about phones. 
But you see, the same thing happens to us as Christians is that we start doing Christianity in a less powerful mode than you were created for. And we go, yeah, but pastor, I'm still a Christian. Yes, you are still a Christian, but you may not shine as bright as you could shine. You may not function in all the applications that God has called you to function. Yes, you're still a phone. Yes, you're still a Christian. But we were not designed to do life in this lower level of power, this low power mode. And in Acts chapter 19, uh, we come across some people as Paul is traveling in this missionary journey. He meets some people that are Christians, but they're doing Christianity in low power mode. And so let's look at this because we're going to see some of the same reasons I think that they're there are some of the same reasons why some of us have been there in our life as well. Acts 19, verse number one. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He found some Christians. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Uh, Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. A life-changing moment for these Christians who before this moment had been living in low power mode. This event happens some couple of decades after the day of Pentecost, okay? So this is uh, decades later, Paul meets these Christians and uh, they have this experience that takes them from a low power mode to a full power mode, which is what they were created for. It's what we were created for. So let's look at what kept them in a low power mode. I think it's the same thing that keeps us there sometimes. First one that would jump out to me is this, it's, it's ignorance. Sometimes ignorance keeps us in low power mode. And when I say ignorance, I don't mean it in the insulting way. Like, oh, you're just ignorant. Like, that's not what I'm, I'm not saying that you're not smart. That's not what I'm saying. But I suppose the true definition of ignorance is just to be unaware of something or to not understand something. And so if we look at verse two, as Paul's having his conversation with these, these believers, he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, which I love the honesty here. I love the raw way that these guys answer. And there's probably some of us in this room right now that are kind of going, as we kind of start to unfold this and this different level of power that I could be living at, some of you would kind of say the same thing. You would kind of say, I didn't even, I didn't hear that there was a Holy Spirit like this. Like, I didn't know that this, that this realm existed. I didn't know that this level of power existed. And that's a great place to be. Like, you don't have to be all, have it all clouded up with a bunch of pressure and whatever. No, this is a, it's a great place to be, but we just can't stay there. We can't stay in that place of ignorance because what can happen is if I stay in a place of, of either not understanding or not being aware of the power that, I'm, that I have access to, what can happen is I can quench or, or I can start to uh, relinquish, I can start to kind of push away and resist the Holy Spirit simply because I don't understand who he is, simply because I don't have an awareness of, of, of what's going on. So let me say it this way. 
across all of our campuses today, let me ask this. How many so far as part of this service, you would say this, I have felt God today already in this service. Wave at me if you say that. I have felt God already. All right, awesome. And I'm sure hands are up in every campus. That's awesome. And I believe you. Now here's the thing. Do you know who it is that you felt? It was the Holy Spirit. That's who you felt. How do you know that? Well, let me, let me break it down like this. In the Old Testament, as you read the Old Testament, they were under the dispensation of God the Father. So most of the interaction was happening with God the Father. Now there's some reference to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. There's some reference even to Jesus in the Old Testament. But for the most part, they were living under that dispensation of the Godhead, God the Father. And then Jesus comes to earth, 100% God, 100% man. We celebrated that at Christmas time, right? There he is, God incarnate. And he comes and now that is the dispensation of the Godhead now that the earth and mankind is dealing with is Jesus. And so now he is walking the earth in physical form, but he's completely God. And that's the dispensation that those people were in. And sometimes people go, I wish I was there for that dispensation. No, you don't because you wouldn't even have seen him. He wasn't in Florida. All right. He was like way, (laughs) and there was no planes to get you over there. All right. But then he says, I'm going. It's, he said, it's good that I go because when I go, the Father's gonna send who? The, the Holy Spirit, the helper. So that's the dispensation we live in. And so if you got saved, you got saved because the Holy Spirit drew you to him. That, that's, what, that's what we... If you got healed, if, if God broke, broke something through in your life, it was the Holy Spirit who did that. So we're not introducing some unknown, like new personality into the equation here. You already have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's a problem if some of us think that, well, I like God okay and I like Jesus okay, but the Holy Spirit, because some people kind of treat him like it's some sort of weird uncle of the Trinity or something like, I don't know about that part. That is so, it's, let me say it this way, it's very ignorant to do that. It's not understanding who he is. He's God. It's God. You already have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? He's asking, not, not just have you encountered, not just uh, is the Holy Spirit inside you. He's really asking about this, this expression of power. He's really asking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's really asking the Acts 1-8, which is what we said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, this different moment. And I read a few years ago about the baptism of King Agnes. This was back in the fifth century and he was being baptized by St. Patrick. I assume it's that same St. Patrick. So since this is March, we'll tell the story. All right, who cares? Uh, But uh, St. Patrick was baptizing King Agnes. And as part of the baptism, uh, they did it like this back in the day, but the St. Patrick had this long scepter and it was pointed at the bottom. And and at one point he puts the scepter down into the water and doesn't realize, but he goes down through the foot of King Angus. Doesn't realize it, goes ahead with the baptism. When he looks down, he sees blood filling the water and he realizes what he's done. He lifts up his scepter. He looks at the king like, I'm about ready to die probably for this. And he looks at the king. He begins to apologize profusely. Please forgive me. Please, I I didn't mean to do that. And he said, king, why didn't you tell me what I had done? Why didn't you say anything? And the king looked back at him and he said this. I just thought it was part of the ritual. Imagine that, to be so confused, right? To be so unaware of what's going on. And that, that confusion, that, 
misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is, sometimes for us, it keeps us at an arm's distance because we go, I don't really understand the process. Listen, it's, it's not a matter of, of, of something unusual or something weird happening or something spooky happening. That's, that's not what any of this is about. So we're just gonna, we're gonna trust God and understand who the Holy Spirit is. So sometimes ignorance will, will keep us in low power mode. Sometimes complacence keeps us there. Like if you think about just, I'm kind of like, I'm just kind of happy where I'm at. I'm just kind of okay with, with this level of whatever I am in God. I'm just kind of fine with that. The thing about like, like God's called us to be great. He has. You say, well, I don't know about me. No, I read it a few moments ago. I mean, he's called you to do greater things than he did. I don't know. That's pretty great. All right. So God's called us to do that. Uh, God's called us to be great. And the, the real challenge to greatness in your life is not the worst things that you could do. The real challenge to greatness in your life is the good things you could do. Think about it. It's good that keeps me from the great. When I'm messed up, I know I'm messed up. I know I need a, a, a radical change. But when I'm sometimes just good enough, and I got news for you, God was not finished with you at the point of your salvation. Can I say it one more time? God was not finished with you at the point of your salvation. That was actually only the first baptism of multiple baptisms in your life. I don't know if you remember, we read it a moment ago in Acts 19, but Paul asked them a question. He says, what baptism did you receive? So there must be more than one baptism or Paul would not have asked, which baptism did you receive? And so Paul says, which baptism did you receive? We see three baptisms listed here in these verses, verses three through six in Acts 19. Which one did you receive? First baptism's mentioned. John's baptism, they replied. Oh, Paul says John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, when you ask forgiveness of your sins and believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is an internal baptism of sorts. It is a repentance. It's a baptism of repentance. And then look at it. It says, he told the people... The coming after him, to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Any guesses as to which baptism that is? Water. They're baptized in, in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then after they were baptized in water, which is the second baptism, Paul places his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes on them. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So there are three baptisms listed in, in these verses. Uh, and you, you go, is that the only spot? No, there's multiple uh, references in the New Testament that shows all three baptisms. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 37 through 39. We see all three baptisms here as well. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, first baptism, and be baptized in water, water baptism, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms. First John chapter five, all three are mentioned in reverse order. First John chapter five, verse seven, for there are three that testify, the spirit, which is our third baptism, the water, that was our second baptism. Are you with me? The water, which is our second baptism, and the blood, which is repentance. It's our first baptism. So the Holy Spirit is not done with us 
at the point of, of salvation. Now, when I get saved, does the Holy Spirit come in me? Yes, because that's the dispensation of the Godhead that I'm living under. So the Holy Spirit does come and reside in me when I get saved. But when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the book of John talks about it being rivers of living water flowing within. So when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not just that the Holy Spirit's in me, is that the Holy Spirit's coming out of me. You want to talk about about an exciting life? It's when you are, it's when you are, and that's what it means to be a witness. Like, we think about it when, 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 when Jesus said, you'll receive power to be my witness, we think power to go witnessing. Witnessing and being a witness are two different things. Does witnessing fall under the category of a person who is a witness? Sure it does. Not, yes, of course. But to be a witness, that's what you're actually called to do. And then when you have the Holy Spirit just flowing out of you, guess what? Sometimes you're a witness by accident. When you got the Holy Spirit flowing out of you, sometimes you're just walking down the hall of your, of your job place and somebody goes, what in the world's on that person's life? Oh, I'm sorry. Did some of that spill over on you? I am just full. I'm filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. People just watch you and just see something different about your life. That's what we're talking about. When I decide not to be complacent. Now, the very first church that I ever worked at was this little church in Nevada, Missouri. Nevada, it's a town spelled just like Nevada, but they pronounced it Nevada. Go figure. I don't know. <laughs> Nevada, Missouri. We were the first youth pastors that the church we were working out had ever had. And me and my wife would get on the phone the day of the youth service would be later that night. And we'd call all the kids in the church and say, hey, are you coming to youth service tonight? And they, most of them would say no. And we'd be like, oh, how, you got something going on? No, not really. Okay, good talking to you. Not really. All right, bye. You know, like, that was just, we do that, get rejected every week. So we thought, you know what? The kids from the church don't really want to come, so let's go get some kids from everywhere else. And so we just went out there, started just trying to get kids to come. And all of a sudden, there was, I mean, dozens and dozens of kids coming that were completely uh, new to anything about God. And I remember one of those services uh, one night we were having a service and, and I mean, it was a little small room, smelly little room, maybe about, maybe about this size right here, just this portion of the stage. And back then I kind of served many roles. I was like, I was the bus driver. I was the setup crew. Uh, I was the teardown crew. Uh, I was the worship leader. I was the preacher. I would be praying and catching all at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> but it was one of those services. I, I was just leading worship with maybe 40 or 50 kids in this room. And I saw this one girl, she was kind of fairly new to the whole deal. And she's back in here and she just gets lost in worship. She just gets so hungry for God. She's literally turned around and facing the corner. And I kind of thought at the moment, I'm like, well, God's got her in trouble. She did something wrong. He sent her to the corner. She is just in the corner, just going after God, completely turned around, doesn't even realize it. After that service, she comes and grabs me. She says, um, hey, can I ask you about something that happened tonight? I said, sure. She said, well, while I was worshiping, she said, I heard somebody speaking in a different language. Now, just background, um, that area and that church was not as multicultural as we are here, all right? Uh, you can figure that part out. So we didn't have a lot of different languages going on. And so for her to say, I heard somebody speaking in a different language, to her, this really caught her off guard. And she said, when I opened my eyes to see who it was, she said, I realized it was me. And then she goes, she goes can you tell me what happened? And I had the privilege of that night of explaining who the Holy Spirit is 
not to somebody so that they could encounter him, but I had the privilege of explaining to somebody who had just encountered him and doesn't even know really what she has encountered. And here's the thing. It's because God saw this young lady and said, I know you don't understand it all yet. I know you haven't studied through all of the New Testament scriptures about who the Holy Spirit is, but there's a hunger in your heart. You've decided you don't want to stay where you are. And God said, I can deal with that. You may not know everything. And maybe there's somebody in this room, you have been putting yourself into something of like, well, as soon as I study one more verse and as soon as I learn one more thing and as soon as I grow in one more area and go to one more class, listen to me. You know what you really need to do is decide I'm not staying where I'm at. I want everything God has for me and God can deal with that kind of defiance against the spirit of complacency. So sometimes it's complacence, sometimes it's ignorance, and then sometimes what would keep us from operating in the power that God's called us to operate in is silence. Verse six says, Paul places his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues. Now I get it. I get it when we got to that part of the story that some people are like, oh, here it is. This is the part. <clears throat> it's almost like we're like, this is the part I, I can't figure out. This is the part that makes me uncomfortable, which I think too much, too much of our dealings with God is too much about us staying comfortable. God didn't call you to be comfort, comfortable. Um, the matter of fact, the call in your life doesn't have really any regard for your comfort zones. Like it's... God loves it when you're uncomfortable, but that's a whole nother thing. But let me say this about this, this, this prayer language, right? This, this language where people would be praying that the Holy Spirit would be praying through you in a, in a language that you don't understand. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we get this confused, the baptism of the Holy Spirit really isn't like the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. Like I sat in a room with our our leadership college, I mean, a long time ago. And I asked that question. I said, with all those students studying to be in ministry, some of them had come up through this church, they were taking Bible courses. I said, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? And a lot of them said, it's praying in tongues. I said, no, that's not the purpose. Now it's kind of more of a proof than it is a purpose, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. We're an empowered church. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you would have you would have the power of God, not only in your life, but flowing out of your life. So then we go, okay, well then, why do we get this so confused? And to answer that, I think I would, I would tell this, like, this is not on as much anymore, but back in the day on like some of the ESPN channels, there'd be two different events. They're both kind of similar, but different. Like on one channel, you would have a, a bodybuilding competition. And it's where these guys like, just build muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles and they wear bathing suits that are too small. I will admit that, okay? And then they, they shave everywhere and they oil up and then and they're doing all this stuff. If you've never seen one, luckily I have worked out enough where you can get the idea of what it kind of looks like. And so there these guys are just posing. Everybody's like, look, and then muscle on top of muscle on top of muscle. And it's just these, they almost don't even look human. 
And you can flip the channel one more. So that's like on ESPN, like nine. And then you go to like ESPN 13, right? And on ESPN 13, it's the world's strongest man competition. And uh, both would kind of, you'd say, kind of have to do with muscles, right? But these dudes don't look like these dudes, all right? These dudes are shaving their whole body. These dudes haven't shaved in a while, right? They got hair everywhere and they don't even care. Hair and don't care. And, uh, and these guys are all worried about everybody looking at me and, uh, and how do I look? And these guys don't care how they look because for them, the competition is stuff like this. It's always like, pick up this small car, carry it up the mountain and then throw it off the mountain. And whoever can do that the fastest wins. So these dudes that are like huge, big old hairy guys, I mean, these guys are having to watch their diet and their fat intake. These guys don't care. Just give me some wings. Let me go do this stuff. So there'll be these guys that are like named Sven and Glockenspiel and stuff. And they're picking up a car, like just carrying cars around. And it's like, you would say, don't both of those have to do with like muscles? And then I would say, well, I guess sort of, but this one's all about being seen. And this one's all about accomplishing something. This one... This one is all about how I look, how I sound. This one's all about advancing, moving something from here to there. So which one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit more alike? Because sometimes churches have gotten it mixed up and Christians, even well-meaning Christians have gotten it mixed up and they think, well, when I speak in tongues, I'm more spiritual than everybody else. God does not baptize you in the Holy Spirit to make you more spiritual than anybody else. He's doing it to make you more spiritual than you are. Sometimes we think if I can just, I'll speak in tongues louder than everybody else and everybody can see how spiritual I am. But the thing is really about this, that when I get so full of the power of God, I can actually accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. Those things that took me out last year aren't gonna take me out this year because I'm stronger than I was last year. That's why this was never about just, just, a, a, just the language. And we get so tripped up on that part. So then we go, well, then why is it there? And I ask God, I said, okay, well then why is it there? God reminded me of something. God reminded me of the power of our tongue. That Hebrews chapter 11, verse three says, we understand that the whole universe was formed at God's command. Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light. Somewhere between L and I-G-H-T, for the first time ever, light happens. Just because he spoke it. And just a little bit later on in Genesis, it says that we were created in God's image. So there is power also in our tongue. And many of you know that because we're all products of the words spoken over us and the words spoken by us. That's who we are. Some of us have struggled for years because we had parents that said things that parents maybe shouldn't say. Like you're so stupid and you'll never amount to anything and you're, you're such a waste. And man, those words hold power, creative power, and it starts to make us feel like that's who we are. So we take that and now we move it into this call to receive the power of God and what would be the, maybe the proof that I'm walking in this new power level? We see it over and over in scripture. It's this prayer language. My God. And what happens when I pray in the spirit? 
Oh, I love what 1 Corinthians 14, the way it says it. It says, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself. Do you know what that word edify means? It means strengthens. It means makes him power. So it's like when I'm praying in the spirit, all their spiritual muscles are forming within me. I had a rough, I had a rough day. I had a rough year. I had a rough month. And I go in and I feel weak. And I feel like, what's the point? I can't even go any further because everybody's saying all this stuff in the world. Every time I turn on the news, it's bad. And if I could just get away from that and go, God, but here I am. And I begin to pray in the spirit. Something amazing happens. I start to edify myself. And I feel like I can stand up in any environment because I have a a power source that I've tapped into. That's the purpose. And so we can't let silence, we can't let silence keep us from this mode of power that we were created for. It's what you were created for. I'm going to ask you to do something all across this room and across all of our campuses. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes right now with nobody looking around. It's, it's, it's early and we did this on purpose. It's not anywhere close to our dismissal time. But we're going to just give God a chance to show up in our lives, to show up in us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.